0: chapter 5 of the book of Exodus we left Moses in great despair. He did what he thought God was calling him to do. He went to the Pharaoh and demanded the release of the children of Israel. But the Pharaoh, rather than releasing them, only increased the burdens and the severity of their slavery, until the children of Israel started really getting on Moses's case saying, why didn't you leave us alone? We were much better off before you ever came. Now, since you've come, things are really hard on us. We wish you would have just left us alone. So Moses in turn went to God and said, God, what are you asking me to do? Why did you ask me to do it, Lord? Because you haven't delivered them. And things are just worse. And it is interesting how that many times when we launch out into what we feel is the will of God for our lives, that things don't work out exactly like we thought they were going to work out. Sometimes things turn into total chaos and we're prone to challenge again our calling. God, did you really call me to do this? And if you called me to do it, How come it's turned into such a mess? Now, Moses didn't want to go in the first place. He had said, oh Lord, please call somebody else. And the Lord became angry with Moses. Moses did what the Lord said, and just things seemed to be just going the opposite of what he had anticipated and expected. I do believe that anytime we enter into any kind of ministry for the Lord, that Satan is going to challenge our commitment of faith that Satan is going to do his best to discourage us right at the beginning of any ministry. He's going to make you question the call of God upon your life. He's going to challenge the work of God within your life, especially if that ministry has to do with some of the gifts of the Spirit. How Satan loves to challenge any exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. For instance, the gift of prophecy. He that prophesies Paul said, let him prophesy according to his portion of faith, Romans twelve six. 6. <clears throat> many times when you by faith step out and speak what you feel to be the word of God, people will challenge it and it'll cause you to question, was that really God that was speaking to me? Moses came to this place of challenge. The people challenged him and challenged his ministry and he in turn challenged God. Why did you send me? Things aren't any better. They're only getting worse. So beginning with chapter 6, we have God's response to his distraught prophet. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now shall you see what I do to Pharaoh? For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Exodus 6.1 Moses, you haven't seen anything yet. Now, you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh because with a strong hand, he's not gonna just let them go. He's gonna drive them out. By the time they go, he's gonna be glad to see them gone. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, verse two. Now, that is, it might look upon the service that just sort of, well, of course, But how many times we forget that? How many times we think that we're in the driver's seat? How many times we ought to be controlling the situation? I'm sure that these people are falling after the command of God and are going around ordering God like he's some kind of little puppet or robot that God is saying to them, hey, wait a minute, I am the Lord who's in control who's guiding this thing, I am the Lord, who's governing over these things, Moses, I am the Lord. Many times we try to take that position away from God, but he needs to remind us of who he is. And we need to be reminded of who he is because there is a danger of forgetting who he is. As we are so prone to exalt ourselves, or to exalt man and we forget that god is the lord and when we forget that god is the lord then we fall into that category that paul was referring to in romans chapter 1 who when they knew god they glorified him not as god romans 121 they began to take things into their own hands they began to live as though god was their servant rather than they were God's servants. We need to be reminded that he is the Lord. And not only that, he is the Lord, but of the greatness of his power and the greatness of his wisdom and the greatness of his glory. And so many times we look at our problems and they seem so big, so overwhelming. I look at that mountain in front of me and I think, oh, nothing can move that mountain. And I get discouraged because the mountain looks so big. And I come to God with sort of timidity. I even hate to ask him because, you know, it's, it's just such a huge mountain. You know, it's impossible for you to move it. And you just wonder if God can really do it. And the disciples, when they came to the Lord with a heavy problem, they said, Oh, Lord, you are God. You have created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them. Acts 4.24 now that's a good thing to remind ourselves of before we pray. the heavens out there are the work of his fingers. He created it all. so that mountain in front of you, though it may look like Mount Everest, it is nothing in the eyes of God. it is nothing for you to help the Lord. many are those many are with those that have no power. next time you think that the mountain that you have in front of you is maybe too big for God to move get up at about 4 o'clock in the morning maybe even 330 and look out into the western sky and look at the constellation Orion take a careful look at that left shoulder of Orion that's Betelgeuse Betelgeuse is four hundred and fifteen million miles in diameter now if you would hollow out the center of Geese, leaving out the crust 100 miles thick, you could put the sun in the middle of Geese and let the earth rotate around it and still have 100 million miles to spare. Now, Geese is a pretty big mountain. It happens to be traveling at about 19 miles a second. Have you ever wondered what kind of force or thrust it would take to get geese into orbit? Something that huge moving that fast? You ever wondered what thrust or what forced? I can tell you. When I consider the heavens, David said, the work of your fingers, Psalm 102, 25. Hey, all my problems seem really small when I look at it that way. And that mountain doesn't look nearly so big. So God said to Moses, you know, he had his feathers ruffled and he was all uptight. And God said, Hey, wait a minute. I'm the Lord. So many times we get all upset and our feathers ruffled. He said, Hey, wait a minute. I'm the Lord. I'm in control. I've got it, Moses. You know, and we need to remember that in our lives. What a comfort to know that he is the Lord and that he is in control. And I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob by the name of God Almighty, El Shaddai. But my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. Exodus 6.3 Now, that is in the sense that the word means the becoming one. Actually, Abraham used the term Jehovah Yireh when, he, when his son said, Dad, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, Yehovah Yairah, the Lord will provide. Genesis 22 8. But yet the Lord is saying, By my name, Jehovah, was I not known. In other words, they knew him in a less personal way than Moses was to know God. They knew him as the Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And some of you may know him as the Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And whenever I hear a person beginning his prayer, oh, mighty God, creator of the universe, I think, well, they really don't have a very close relationship with him. But when I hear someone come in and say, hey, Dad, I'm really in trouble. I feel, they've, they've got a really neat working relationship with the Father. Now, I heard of some Italians once in a prayer meeting, and they started saying, Oh, Papa. And when I heard that, I was shocked for a moment. And I thought, that's, that's sacrilegious. But then I found out that Papa was father in Italian. And I thought, oh, man, that's beautiful. I like that. Papa, your child's in trouble. Your, your child needs help, Papa. It's glorious to have a close, intimate relationship with God, to know him by that name, Jehovah. where he becomes to me all that I need. Now, they had not really appropriated that fullness of God that he wants to be to his people. They were sort of, God was sort of far off, great power, almighty force, creative, yet he was known in a personal sense, but yet always in that vast distance that exists between the infinite and the finite. Now, God is coming closer to man. And he said, they're not known by my name, Jehovah. They don't know me by that name, but you're going to know me in a closer, more intimate way, Moses, even as God wants to relate to you in a closer, more intimate way. And for that purpose, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. Why? That you might relate to God in the closest kind of intimate relationship as the father with his child, that you might boldly come to his presence, that you might receive mercy in your time of need. God wants you to have a neat, beautiful relationship with him. He wants you to feel a perfect freedom of just coming in anytime, even with the most trivial things. He wants to have that kind of relationship with you. And thus God is expressing, look, they never knew me as, or they knew me as God Almighty, but I have have revealed myself to them. And they knew me as God Almighty, but they didn't really know that relationship of intimacy that I want you to and the people to experiences I take, and I begin to watch over you, and I begin to care for you, and I begin to put the food on your table. And I have also established my covenant with them, that is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians, keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Verses 4 and 5. Now, first of all, God establishing himself to Moses, I've made my covenant with them. I know, I heard, and I have remembered my covenant. Sometimes because of time delays, we feel that God has forgotten his promises. In the last days, The Bible says scoffers will come saying, Where is the promise of the coming of Jesus Christ? 2 Peter 3.4 Because of the time delay, men will scoff. God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is faithful. 2 Peter 3.9 Wherefore, God said, Say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you, first of all, I am, And then I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land. Concerning which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage, for I am the Lord. Verses 6 through 8. So he started out by saying, I am, and then he threw in all these I wills, and he comes back to, I am. But I'll tell you, when God begins to promise, and he begins it by saying, hey, look, I am the Lord, and I will, and I will, and there are seven I wills there of God. What God will do for his people, and because the history of the children of Israel is typical history, and it typifies the child of God coming out of bondage through the Red Sea, baptism, into a new relationship of faith with God in the wilderness, and on through the death of the old life, and the old self into the land of promise, a life of richness and fullness. We can take these I wills of God to Israel and we can apply them to our own lives as God is promising. I will deliver you from the heavy burdens. I will rid you from the bondage from the flesh and of that old life. And I will redeem you and take you for a people. And I will be to you a God, and I will bring you into the fullness of which I have promised. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, these words of the Lord, but they hearken not to Moses for anguish of spirit and because of the cruel bondage, verses six through nine. So they at this point were so discouraged because of these things the Egyptians were laying upon them. Even when Moses came with these glorious promises and declarations of God, the people just could not believe it. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in and speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel haven't listened to me, how then will Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? Moses said, hey God, now look, you told me to tell the children of Israel and they didn't even listen to me. Now you're telling me to go to Pharaoh? If they didn't listen to me, what do you think the Pharaoh's gonna do? He's not going to listen to me. So Moses is still dragging his heels at the call of God, at the commission of God upon his life. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, and he gave them a charge to the children of Israel and to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, verse 13. Now, at this point, there is inserted a little genealogy of the first three sons of Jacob with Reuben and Simeon, his first two sons. It lists just the names of the sons of Reuben and Simeon, as they are in Genesis, when it lists them the names of the sons of Levi. It goes on to name the grandsons and the great-grandsons in order that we might have a genealogy that will bring us down to Moses and Aaron. So Amram, verse 20, took him Jochbed, his father's sister to wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. And these are the years of the life of Amram. He was a 137 years years old. Verse 20. Now, verse 27. These are they. I'm sorry. Verse 26. These are they. Now, these are they that Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. These are they which spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron, Exodus 6, 26 and 27. So you have a little genealogy here to bring you to Moses and Aaron, just sort of inserted here into chapter six so you'll know where they came from. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. And Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall the Pharaoh hear me? Verses 28 and 30. So that's just sort of a little throwback to verses 12 and 13. He threw in the genealogy and then he sort of recaps a story to bring us to chapter 7.